0: Welcome to Orphans No More, a media extension of Justice for Orphans, a ministry dedicated to rally the church for the cause of the fatherless. Inspiring, educating, and equipping believers to care for vulnerable children and supporting those who have heard and heeded the call of James 127. Here's your host, Sandra Flack. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That is John 14, verse 18. Welcome to Orphans No More, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children in crisis through adoption, foster care, and kinship care. I am your host, Sandra Flack. I love that verse. Uh, because we are no longer orphans when we come to Christ, right? The cross is our adoption process. Uh, And I think about orphans, we don't want there to be any orphans in the world. We are pro-adoption, and and we are no longer orphans. So I chose that verse today for that reason, as well as um, something I'm going to share with you this morning or today, I'm recording in the morning, so that's why I said this morning, but I am super excited to share some big news about this podcast. Orphans No More started back in 2014 as a radio show on WDCD, a local Christian talk radio station out of Albany, New York, uh, where I am from here in the upstate capital region area. Now, we were not planning on being on the radio. It was totally a God thing. Fellow adoptive mom, Mary Slager, and I had just established justice for orphans. Our mission was to rally the church for the cause of the fatherless. We've talked about that on this show before. Uh, We recently had Mary on for our 300th episode a few months back. Um, So we just were two adoptive moms with a heart for adoption and a heart to see children in families. So uh, we established JFO so we could really advocate to the church for that. Um, And then I'd been a guest a couple of times on another radio show on WDCD. Another uh, host had been inviting me on to talk about what I talk about with adoption and orphans and such. Um, And then after a couple of times guesting on that show, the station approached me about having our own show where we could talk about orphans adoption and foster care and just everything relevant to that um, on a weekly show. So we were, you know, blown away by that open door. We saw it as God opening a door for us. To be able to rally the church, you know, what better way to rally the church than to be on Christian radio every week? Um, So, you know, there was much fear and trembling because we had zero experience. Other than my gift of gab, which you probably can tell by now that I do have, we jumped in with both feet um, to do that radio program. And, um, you know, we really didn't know a whole lot. We hadn't researched it. We We didn't know what we didn't know. We came up with the name for the show because that was the first thing we had to do, they told us. Um, So we prayed about it and just felt, you know, that the name Orphans No More um, was divinely inspired. We felt the Lord put that on our hearts, Um, you know, that our thought process, like I said, at the time was we advocate for adoption because we do not want children to be orphans. And since as children of God, we are no longer orphans. We're now sons and daughters. We felt "orphans no more" was a perfect name, and then, and it was, and it still is. Uh, when the podcasts, when podcasts in general became popular, um, we began uploading our radio episodes, sort of like repackaging them and putting them up on out on Podbean as a podcast, and that's how the Orphans No More podcast that you are now listening to was born. And then a few years ago, WDCD, the radio station, sold its airspace to a Christian music station. And all of us radio show hosts had to find new homes for our shows. But since we already um, were getting good traction with the podcast, we decided to just focus on the podcast audience rather than pay for airtime someplace else. Um, and Because what we began to realize is, as a podcast, we have very intentional listeners. We now know who our audience is. Our audience, those who subscribe to this show and follow it, um, um, who are enjoying it, are people, I came to realize they're people like me. They're adoptive parents, foster parents, kinship caregivers, um, parents in the trenches, and seeking community with with other parents going through the same stuff, right? Um, Parents who need encouragement for the journey and tools to help them stay the course. So over time, we've come to understand that. And while we still believe that there should be no more orphans, um, because we still do advocate for families to get involved in adoption and foster care, um, our show really focuses on content for adoptive, foster, and kinship caregivers. Um, and if and if an adoptive or foster or kinship caregiver were to search on their podcast platforms, if they were to search um, keywords such as adoption, foster care, or kinship care, um, looking for a podcast about that, this podcast, Orphans No More, would not come up. I tested it out. I tried it. Um, you have to search for orphan because that's what's in our name in order to find us. And I think most um, adoptive and foster parents are not going to search orphan, they're going to search the terms adoption or foster care. So we've come to realize that we are missing a major portion of our audience who needs this show, just because our name is really no longer really reflective of who we are, um, you know, and, and what we're really doing nowadays. So That is why we are changing the name. That's my big announcement. We are changing the name from Orphans No More to the Adoption, Foster Care, and Kinship Journey with myself, Sandra Flack, as the host. So the Adoption, Foster Care, and Kinship Journey will be the new name of the show as of June 1st of this year 2022 we will be appearing in your podcast lineup with that new name if you are a current subscriber you won't have to do anything but just notice that there's a new name when the show drops in your you know into your inbox uh it'll still come to you just like orphans no more does but it's going to look like a different podcast only because the name has changed um so just keep an eye out and all of a sudden in june when you see a new, a new name there for a podcast, it's still us. If you're not a subscriber yet, please go ahead and subscribe. You can subscribe today to this show and it will automatically switch over for you too. Um, and when listeners subscribe and leave a review, so if you haven't left a review, I'd really appreciate that you do that. Um, but when you subscribe and leave a review, it signals to the, that infamous algorithm that this show um, is relevant and important. And we want all adoptive, foster, and kinship caregivers to find this show um, because we believe it is a vital resource for the parenting journey. Um, so if you know, um that this show is an encouragement for you. Um, if you've been listening for a while and, I, and we do get emails from several of our listeners and we greatly appreciate that, we, we do love to hear from you because that lets us know that you are listening and that you want to hear it um, and that you find value in it. Um, so if you have a comment or a question or a suggestion for who would make a great guest, please reach out to me personally by email. Um, Sandra Flack, jfo at gmail.com is my email address. You can find me directly. I check every email when I read everyone when a listener emails us. Um, and sometimes we schedule a Zoom call so we can connect that way if it seems like that would be um, something that that you're, you're desiring. Um, or, you know, you're just going to drop us a line and, and just give us some feedback, and, and we love to hear that too. So you can reach me through my email address, or also just our ministry website, justicefororphansny.org. And I do want to invite you to stay tuned to the end of the show, because I have another announcement about a new resource that we are offering. So we have lots of really good things coming, uh, coming forward in the near future for you, just because we want to serve you better. Um, and one of those things is about the facets training uh, that I've been taking. And this, this particular podcast is not an FASD-specific podcast. There are a few of those out there. I am regular subscriber, weekly listener to um, many of the FASD-specific podcasts that are out there. But I do talk about FASD a lot, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. A lot on this show because it's, uh, it's definitely relevant for foster adoptive and kinship caregivers. And because I have two children um, who have been diagnosed with FASD, um, two maybe that should have been. So um, I understand how important it is. So it is a topic uh, that is very um, uh, re- relative to um, foster adoptive and kinship parents. Do you hear those bells in the background? That's Liberty. My son's puppy is anxiously awaiting being let outside and Slava is nowhere in sight. So I'm going to have to probably get up and do that. And I'll pause in a moment here. But um, she distracted me. That wasn't didn't take too much to, to um, distract me. But I want to share a little bit about what I've been learning in my facets training of facilitators. I am going through the facets training. FACETS is an acronym for Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Consultation Education Training Services. Um, And I just, I want to be better equipped as a parent, but also as um, an advocate of FASD um, parenting and um, want to be a better support and resource for all of you who are listening. So I am getting the training so that I can be a facets facilitator um, to facilitate their neurobehavioral model. I've completed so far four of the 22 sessions that I'll be attending in early 2023, it'll go into February, Um, and I'm honored and excited about all I am learning and all the support I'll be able to provide um, as a trainer of the FACETs neurobehavioral model. Uh, And if you've read Diane Melbin's book, Trying Differently Rather Than Harder, which I recommend every adoptive, foster, and kinship caregiver do... You've read it, then you might know that she's the founder of Facets, and um, I'm that is you know, it's an excellent, excellent um resource, uh, and 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 model of the FANB um model. So, as a parent myself, like I said, two kids diagnosed with an FASD to others that should have been, I believe the FANB, fetal alcohol, neural behavioral model, is the best way to understand and support our loved ones on the spectrum. And what I want to do today is just... Um, share twelve points regarding F A and B conditions that I've learned so far in my facets training. So this isn't anything I've come up with. Um, this is something that I'm learning about, and I have some, um, you know, I have I have a list of twelve of them, and uh, I'll I'll interject some thoughts as we go through each one, um, because I, I find it to be very um, just educational, and I get excited when I know I've kind of stumbled upon something that is vital for this parenting journey. So that's why I'm going to share it with you all. So these 12 points, um, the first one, people with F-A-N-B have an invisible brain-based physical condition, right? We've talked about that on this show before. That That is the definition. Recognition of FANB is synonymous with recognition of brain differences. Now, I know um, I have used this term before, a, a brain damage, because I know in one of my trauma trainings many years ago, um, I remember Dr. Karen Purvis had was talking during an Empower to Connect um, conference. When she brought up FAS, um, she mentioned that it is brain damage. And at the time, that that was an eye-opener for me because I finally realized it's a brain thing. Now, brain damage isn't really a pleasant way to refer to um, this condition, but it is a better way instead of brain damage is brain difference. Everybody's brain works differently and for various reasons, right? But- that's what this is it is a brain difference and that's that is i believe even more empowering as a parent when i can go throughout my day with my kids and not think of them you know not see them as having something wrong with them or look at their behaviors and think behavior because that's something else that we're going to talk about shortly but to understand it's a brain difference right? I've learned and we've talked about, and I teach that uh, alcohol consumption in utero uh, prenatally affects the um, structure and function of the brain. It literally changes the structure of the brain and it changes how the brain works. So this is a brain difference. Um, Number two, people with F-A-N-B are hidden. They're a hidden population, often diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, LD, PDD, ODD, autism, ASD, and other other disorders. Um, It's that alphabet soup. And I've talked to so many parents who will say, oh, no, um, they're not diagnosed with F-A-S-D, but they have a diagnosis of, and then they list off all these other things, or they'll share, you know, their kids' behaviors. And I'm doing air quotes, right? Because until we're really understanding the, it's a brain difference, we, you know, then we all think behavior when it's not really behaviors, it's symptoms of the brain difference. But, um, you know, there, there's not, a, there's not So many are not diagnosed and and it's one of the frustrating things. The more, the more I learn, um, you know, in the FASD community that it's really, uh, I think it was Dr. Ira Chasnoff who, who reported that 90 to 95% of individuals with an FASD are undiagnosed. So it's 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 hidden. It is hidden. Nobody. It, it it's not the obvious thing when you're working with doctors and other providers, and um, you know, your, your school IEP special ed folks, and 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 the people that we have to encounter and who are working with our kids. They don't often get it. They don't often get it, and it can be very frustration uh, frustrating. It's a hidden population, and they're often either misdiagnosed or not diagnosed at all. It's important to know. Um, It's also important to know because whether or not they get the diagnosis, what we need to do as parents and caregivers um, is the same diagnosis or not. Um, We need to fiercely advocate for our kids, but we are going to focus on accommodations and strengths and not know whether or not they get that diagnosis and and even if it's you know maybe you're even if your child does not have an fasd but has experienced trauma which also impacts brain development um and basically i would think it's safe to say that almost almost all children in the system whether they came from an orphanage whether they came from Uh, A a private domestic adoption where you were there and were able to cut the umbilical cord in the delivery room um, to a child that comes through foster care. Um, However, if you are parenting somebody else's child, if you're the second mother, so to speak, the second parent, um, trauma is involved and trauma has its impacts. And even if it's not FASD, um, but other forms of trauma, um, the neurobehavioral model is effective because you're still talking brain difference. So that was some of my ramblings there. Number three, FANB includes a wide spectrum of neurobehavioral effects that overlap other brain-based conditions, uh, including exposure to teratogens, TBI, ABI, and others. Um, So it is a spectrum. It's important to keep that in mind. and it can overlap with other brain-based conditions. Number four, those most at risk for psychosocial problems are those with an FANB with no observable physical characteristics, which is the majority of individuals. Only about 10% of individuals with an FASD have the facial features associated with FASD my two boys have the facial features. It was very easy to get a diagnosis for them because we had court records, even translated you know, from Ukrainian, the court records indicate the parents were alcoholics. They have the facial features. Um, it wasn't hard for us to get that diagnosis, um, but the population of these individuals, and if we think our kids, right, with no facial features, Because only 10% have the facial features. So the other 90% are most at risk for problems because they're not looked upon as even having a brain difference because they look normal, right? So then we start thinking or people start thinking they're being um, on purpose, disobedient, lazy, they're not paying attention, Um, just all kinds of different things. Um, And and that just complicates life even further for our kids and for us even. Number five, F-A-N-B is an invisible brain-based physical condition with behavioral symptoms. So again, it's invisible. You can't just look at somebody and say, oh, yeah, They have an FASD, unless you're looking at somebody who has the facial features, and you're very familiar with what the facial features are. But again, that's only 10% of the population. But it is um, an invisible brain-based physical condition with behavioral symptoms. So in the beginning, when we're dealing with all kinds of behaviors that are so hard, and we can't figure out why our kids are doing what they're doing, um, we think they're just misbehaving. Um, They're on purpose doing these things, when really those actions are really symptoms of a brain-based physical condition, so that changes or should change our perspective um, immensely. Number six, neurobehavioral characteristics of people with this physical condition are at odds with learning theory-based assumptions about brain function. So this is where school problems arise because, uh, and I've got firsthand experience with this and probably many of you do as well when school, even your special education teachers um, and all the specialists there don't understand FASD specifically. And because it's invisible and because it's so hard to get a diagnosis um, and because they're applying um you know, traditional theory, theory-based learning, it doesn't work for our kids. That does not work for our kids. Again, it's like taking a round peg and trying to jam it into a square hole, and then we punish the round peg because it's not square. All right? That's, that's what our kids live through every day almost, in, in, in school settings. Um, number seven, interventions based on the principles of learning theory are often incompatible with neurobehavioral characteristics or differences in brain function. And this is where I want to also talk about um, a couple of things here. So, you know, the, the learning theory-based, you know, way that our schools do things um, they're they're wanting to issue consequences and punishments, um, because, you know, to our kids, because they are feeling like the behavior is purposeful and that our kids can control some of these things, um, and they're just making bad choices and they need to learn, right? Um, which that doesn't work because our kids, because of executive function impairments, they don't respond. To consequences and punishments, it doesn't work that way. Uh, and then also, even um, number seven, interventions. All right, that word um, I've been learning in my class. That you know, in fact, let me give you the diagnosis. I looked it up. Interventions, because this this sounds like a good thing, right? An in intervention. Um, intervention means to. Uh, an action taken to improve a situation, especially a medical disorder. So we want to intervene, right? Intervention sounds like a good thing. However, intervening oftentimes is looked like trying to fix the kid, trying to issue the consequences, the punishments and all these things to try to improve their behavior, right? It's very consequence-based does not work. However, Rather than thinking intervention, what our kids need is accommodation. Now the definition of accommodation is an arrangement or understanding. Now I like to kind of tw- you know play with that a little bit and call it an arrangement made because of understanding. meaning when we as caregivers, professionals, teachers, those involved in this community, when we understand brain difference, we can then make an arrangement to help our kids be successful. We can make the accommodation. So that's what I like to think of there. Um, Number eight, well-intended but inappropriate and ineffective interventions implemented over time have been associated with chronic frustration and the development of debilitating secondary characteristics in children and adults. All right. So again, I always think of it as if we take our kid, our round peg and keep trying to jam he or she into that square hole of, you know, the expectations for neurotypical kids, Um, the expectations of, you know, uh, traditional learning theory, we are trying to slam that round peg into that square hole. And it causes frustration that can lead to depression and anxiety and anger and all sorts of those other secondary characteristics. But if we're understanding brain difference and we accommodate accordingly, Our kids can be successful and we will have successful outcomes. Even, you know, the school system will be happier. Um, So number nine, uh, the ninth point that I learned, an emerging neurobehavioral theoretical foundation systematically links brain function with behaviors and supports a shift in understanding, reframing the meaning of presenting behaviors. And now I can like very simply mean that that goes from an understanding that it's not won't, but can't, right? It's not that our kid won't clean their room, won't get to class on time, won't do their homework, won't whatever you fill in the blank. It's not that they won't do their chores, or that not that they won't leave their sibling alone. It's not that they won't come out of their room, you fill in the blank, but perhaps it is they can't. They can't, okay? It, it's redef- redefining both the nature of the problem and the focus for interventions in a manner consistent with research. So again, it all goes back to brain difference and thinking about what, what does my kid's brain need to do here? And can my child's brain do it because of the brain difference? All right. Number 10, this shift in thinking is the basis for providing appropriate environmental accommodations for people with FANB in all settings preventing deterioration and maximizing realization of developmental potential. This principle of providing environmental accommodations for people with FANB is the same as for other physical handicapping conditions. So in a nutshell, right? When we understand a brain difference, when we understand FANB and how it affects the brain and how the brain is different, and that we need to make accommodations, it's a game changer for our kids. And now we make accommodations for uh, disabilities or and things that we see, right? If a child is in a wheelchair, it is an understanding, it's a given that they're going to need a ramp to get into a building, an elevator as opposed to stairs to get upstairs, um, you know, Accommodations are made for what kind of vehicle, right? And and um, accessibility in showers and, and bathrooms and things like that, right? There are accommodations that are made when it's a disability that can be seen and we all can see it and understand it. But when it's a brain difference and we can't so much see it, but we see these behaviors that we just automatically assume can be controlled or disciplined or punished um or consequenced to stop but the individual is those are symptoms the individual is experiencing of a brain difference um you know that that's the understanding that needs to take place so it's a shift in thinking a shift in thinking that parents need to take it's a shift in thinking that really everyone in our child's lives needs to take, including and especially everybody who our child interacts with at school, teachers, bus drivers, therapists, counselors, doctors, psychologists, everybody, everybody, OTPT speech, everybody um, needs to have that shift in thinking. And that will really help our kids be even more successful. Um, Number 11, Children, parents, and professionals, and all systems and strata of communities and cultures benefit from a shared understanding and a common language that enhances communication and helps establish and sustain an informed community-based continuum of care. So that's a really professional-sounding way to say what I was just saying right? Everybody needs to know. Everybody in our kids' lives needs to understand. If, if everyone could come to that understanding of a common language, brain difference, right? F-A-N-B. This is a neurobehavioral condition. It's an invisible condition. Um, then there will be much more success for our kiddos. And the last one, and I thank you for hanging in there with me for so long. Adequate accommodations at home and in the community provide appropriate levels of support over time. Okay. An informed community-based continuum of care assures conceptual consistency and congruent accommodations in all settings. This is associated with fewer challenging behaviors. So things will improve over time. Outcomes will improve. All right. As the environment improves, change is indicated at the level of individuals, families, practice, programs, institutions, and even policy and law. So. that's just a little bit, that was just 12 points of what I'm learning and I'm learning so much more than that, but it's sort of some of the foundational points and and, and pieces of understanding when it comes to the facets, neurobehavioral behavioral model. And I'll, I'll be sharing more as we move forward. And whether or not your child has a diagnosis of fetal alcohol spectrum disorder or whether or not you know if he or she was exposed in utero, Understanding fetal alcohol, neurobehavioral conditions, and taking a brain-based approach using accommodations and strengths-focused parenting, this understanding and this shift in thinking and shift in how we as caregivers do things, the shift will provide the best outcomes for our kids and for our families, so I hope you found some encouragement by listening to what I just shared. It was a little on the heavier side, uh, less stories and more um, you know practical dry you know <laughs> um, statements, but um, I just really wanted to bring you up to speed in and what I've been learning and direction that I've been going and, and I want to be able to share it all with you. Um, so if you did find encouragement and if you want to learn more, um, let me know uh, if you have a question or a suggestion. I always love to hear from our listeners um, how you are navigating this journey. You know, if you are parenting an individual with an FANB, let me know. Email me at Sandra Flack jfo at gmail.com or reach out via our website, justicefororphansny.org. Also some more, more of that exciting news. Um, I want to let you know about the uh, FASD 101 training that I'm currently offering uh, online or in person. Um, I've created a three hour training about FASD for parents and professionals So it's not, uh, the full on facets training that will be coming in 2023. Um, I'll talk about that in a moment, but if you would like a basic FASD 101, um, to understand it better, um, and learn more about accommodations, um, and strengths-based parenting, um, I'd be happy to, to bring this course to you. This, this, it's a three-hour training, um, about FASD. So, um, You can register. You'll be able to register soon on our website. Our our website is right now, as we speak, going through um, an update and and, and really making it um, improving content, putting everything on there that should be on there. Um, So once that's done, and I'll let you all know on this podcast, when it is done, you'll be able to register for these different things we're offering from the JFO website. But for now, Uh, If you are interested in having me come and present to your support group, adoptive or foster parent group, agency, organization, uh, or any group uh, interested in just learning more, um, you can contact me also by my email or by our website um, to learn more and to um, schedule uh, an FASD 101. Right now, it's a three-hour training session. I'm trying to figure out how to um, shrink it into 90 minutes. So I can offer a 90 minute one and the three hour one. Um, so that's in the works as well. In 2023 and starting in, I believe, February, March, we will be offering various versions of the FACETS training. Um, so the, the FACETS Neurobehavioral Model. Again, FACETS stands for Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Consultation Educating Training Services. Um, so the facet neurobehavioral model, I will be able, once I complete the training, I will be every be able to present everything um, from a one hour session up to a six three hour session course and everything in between. Um but for now, we do have our three hour course. Um, which I may also um, be able to 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 scale down to a 90 minute session if if that's more palatable for some folks. Um, but please, if you're interested, reach out to me. Um, I, I definitely want uh, to hear from you on that. And I also this is this is such a teaser right here because I can't I can't say a whole lot. But we have something else very special brewing to come up beginning in September that you will want to be part of. It's a collaboration with another FASD adoptive mama that I'll be doing it with. So stay tuned to this podcast for future announcements because we have another amazing resource that we're going to make available to you. It will begin in September. We will start talking about it more specifically over the summer. It's still in the planning stages right for now. So we're not ready to make an official announcement, but it is in the works and I'm super excited about it. Uh, And don't forget the upcoming change of name of this podcast, Orphans No More will begin dropping in your inbox as the Adoption, Foster Care and Kinship Journey podcast as of June 1st. Again, again, uh, you don't have to do anything except subscribe if you haven't yet. Please do so. Um, if you're already a sub- subscriber, you'll just take note that it's a different name, same podcast, same host, same content. So I am, appreciate you hanging in in here um, with me uh, this far. So um, also, I always like to put a you know shameless plug in for my book, um, which has the same name as this podcast, Orphans No More. It's Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father. It is available wherever you buy books. Um, It is about my family's kinship and Ukrainian adoption journey, how all five of our uh, kids uh, came home that way. I have eight children, three biological, five came through adoption. It's the story of how we became a family. So I hope you'll check that out. Uh, It's available on Amazon if you want to order from there. Um, If you do so, please leave a review. If you would like a signed copy that I can personally sign, uh, I stick in a special bookmark um, and I mail it off to you myself. You can order that from my website, sandraflack.com, and you can learn more about me and my blog and and, uh, contact me for speaking opportunities through um, that website. Uh, and I'd like to give a big shout out to our Care Portal County sponsors, Trinuclear Corporation, Bishop Boundary Construction, and National Bank of Cooksaki. These businesses care about children and families in crisis. They help us to do what we do for you. So uh, a big thank you to them. Don't forget to check out our website, justicefororphansny.org, and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Justice for Orphans is in both places, and so so am I, Sandra Flack. Oh, I'm so grateful you spent your valuable time with me today, and if you made it all the way to the end, wow, shout out to you. I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to Orphans No More, for sharing what you've heard and praying for vulnerable children everywhere. We hope you are inspired to walk out James 127 in whatever way God calls you. For more information, visit justicefororphansny.org.